Good evening, everyone. Good morning or afternoon, depending on when you might be listening to this. Um, I have some amazing ideas I want to share with you about the upcoming holiday of Rosh Hashanah. Um, happens to be I'm traveling right now on a train, so although I'm extremely excited about the ideas I want to share with you, I'm going to try to keep my voice to a minimum, which will be challenging for me. And um, I hope that the recording comes through and that you can taste my excitement even though I'm keeping my voice down. So what are we celebrating on Rosh Hashanah exactly? So as everyone knows, it's the New Year, the Jewish New Year. This year is the year 5,700 um, and, and 84 in the Jewish calendar. But it's not just New Year's, right? I mean, think about, let's contrast it to January 1st, right? The secular New Year's partying, drinking, watching some big ball drop. I mean, the mood and the atmosphere in Rosh Hashanah is very different for anyone who's ever been to synagogue. It's a serious day. It's a day of incredible, intense introspection and prayer. Why is that? Because in addition to being the New Year, it is also known as Yom Hadin which is Judgment Day. Essentially, the world is judged. And uh, the prayers are extremely explicit. How much money you'll make this year, but more importantly, who will live and who will die. And uh, there's a prayer that we say, uh, an ancient prayer that goes through essentially all the different types of death that could befall a person in the coming year, fire, water, strangulation, it's basically enough to make anyone avoid shul for another year. And it's ironic, it's the one day a year that everyone goes to synagogue. Right? Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. The Talmud says that on Rosh Hashanah, there are two books, three books that are open in front of God, a book of life, a book of death, and the in-between, the righteous are written in the book of life, the uh, non-righteous are written in the book of death, and the rest of us are written in an in-between book. And then we have 10 days between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur to weigh the tipped scales, essentially, and get ourselves written in the good book. So, what is the connection between this Judgment Day and New Year's? on this particular day of the calendar, Rosh Hashanah. Second of all, you might be familiar with some of the customs of the day. Well, one of them, a lot of people are familiar with dipping apple in honey. That's symbolic of sweet new year. Right? But there's an actual mitzvah of the day, and that is the blowing of the shofar. Shofar is a ram's horn, and there's actually a biblical mitzvah to hear it blown um, a certain amount of times, certain type of blowing. And what's the significance of that? Actually, this year we will not be blowing the shofar because we don't blow it on Shabbos, even though it's a biblical commandment. Um, the fear that one might carry on Shabbos overrides the blowing of the shofar, and there's a lot of mystical meaning and symbolism behind that. But 
what's the significance of the chauffeur? Right. Um, now, if you look at the prayer book, there's one main focus point of all the prayers on Rosh Hashanah, and that is that God is the king of the world, essentially coronating the king. And again, my question is, what does that have to do with this particular day? We focus on God being the king of the universe. God is always the king of the universe. So why is that the focal point of all the prayers of Rosh Hashanah? Now, um, I'm just going to throw in a few other questions I hope we'll answer. Uh, what is that judgment, by the way, of Rosh Hashanah? If it's at face value, who will live and who will die, so then what should happen every year right after Rosh Hashanah? All the non-righteous people should pass away, and obviously that doesn't, it doesn't happen. So what is this judgment anyway? What's it all about? And if we're lucky at the end, I want to talk a little bit, uh, share a little bit of Kabbalistic insights as well that just came to me. I might do it in a separate podcast. So what is Rosh Hashanah actually commemorating, right? We understand that Jewish holidays often have to do with cosmic events that took place in history that made a ripple in the fabric of space-time continuum. And every year, when that time comes around, that energy comes back into the world. So what's the historical event or events that took place on Rosh Hashanah? And there are actually several. We're going to focus on one, and that's the first one. That is, if you look at the prayers on Rosh Hashanah, we say Hayom Haras Alam, which means today is the birthday of the world. Rosh Hashanah is commemorating the creation, not exactly of the world, but of Adam. Adam, the first human being, was created on Rosh Hashanah, according to one of the opinions in the Talmud. And we clearly uh, accept that opinion. The other opinion, by the way, is that the world was created on pa on uh, Rosh Chodesh Nisan, the month of Passover. Um, and the conclusion of the medieval commentaries is that Rosh Hashanah is when the world is created in thought, and Pesach, Passover, is when the world is created in action. What that means, we'll have to discuss another time, unless there's time later today. So, we're celebrating the birth of Adam, creation of the world. The day that Adam was created was the day that God became king. Because there's no such thing as a king without a people. So Rosh Hashanah is the birth of Adam. And in modern terms, I want to look at it with the following metaphor. Imagine the CEO of the greatest company in the world. I mean, imagine, you know, Facebook, Google, uh, Tesla, um, Apple. Take all of the greatest CEOs you can imagine, put them together in one imaginary CEO who has a desire to create the greatest company in, human, in world history. So what does he do on the anniversary of the creation of the company? So non-great CEOs celebrate, but a great CEO does something much more meaningful on the anniversary of the creation of the company. 
is he takes out his mission statement and he puts it up on the board and with his elite uh, managers goes and looks at the mission statement and then looks at the numbers and says, are we fulfilling our mission? Essentially, he does a personal accounting. And that's essentially what Rosh Hashanah is. Rosh Hashanah in the Torah is called Yom HaZikaron, the day of accounting, the day of remembering. It's a day where God looks at the creation and says, how are we doing at fulfilling our mission? So let's talk about mission statements for a moment. Typical mission statement is we make great computers. They're friendly, user-friendly and affordable, and we're going to make your life better. All right, typical mission statement is what we do, how we do it, and why we do it. Says a great TED Talk by Simon Sinek that what he calls the golden circle is start with why. Don't talk about what you do. First, you have to talk about why you do it. Start with your mission and your passion, and that will give birth to what you do. So the first thing you have to know is why you do what you do. And he uses Apple as, as an example. He says Apple is a, a, an inspired organization, an inspired company. Apple's mission statement is something to the degree of we believe in challenging the status quo, and we make our products, great products that are user-friendly. And where we believe in challenging the status quo, our mission is to make your life better, and therefore we make great technological products. So first you have to figure out why you do what you do. Then you have to figure out how. You have to know what your talents are, what your unique gifts are, and then those two together will lead to the what you do. Figure out how you can take your passion and your talents and do something to help the world, and that is your personal mission statement. So just like a company has to have a mission statement, each and every one of us has to have a personal life's mission statement. You don't know why you're living. You don't know what your goal is. So how can you ever expect to accomplish it? So, next, after the CEO examines his mission statement, then he has to begin to look at his employees. How are his employees doing? Who needs a promotion? Who needs to be transferred to a different department? Who needs to be fired? And what is and so the CEO on that anniversary day meets with each and every one of his employees. And he looks at their job description, their mission statement, and he looks at their at their stats what they've actually accomplished. And what does he do if he finds that someone just hasn't been living up to the uh, standards? So he doesn't fire people for messing up. That's what a uh, low-level CEO would do. No, a great CEO helps them do better. So 
what's the best thing to do if you screwed up on your job? Admit it, apologize, make amends, fix anything you've broken, and then come up with a plan to make it better. So CEO wants to inspire people to be great. So how, what's the number one way to inspire your employees? The answer is don't have any employees. A great CEO doesn't have employees. A great CEO has partners. Turn to your staff and say to them, do you believe in my mission? Are you in? Do you want to be part of this company? And tell me what you can do for the company. Make me a proposal and I'll fund it. He enables his his employees to open up franchises, literally to run their own businesses. And he becomes their employee and they become his boss. And he makes it his business to fund them and support them in any way he can to help them do their job. So in Rosh Hashanah, God looks at the world and evaluates it. The judgment on Rosh Hashanah is not on the past. God doesn't really care what you did in the past. He cares about the now. What do you want to do from this moment going forward? What role do you want to play in the company? And then he gives you a job description for the new year based on your own vision of what you want to do for the company. It's entirely in your hands to determine your future. The judgment on Rosh Hashanah is not about who will live and who will die physically. It's about your spiritual life. What is your potential in this next year to do great for the company? So in order to really go into Rosh Hashanah, we have to have clarity in what the mission of the world is. What's God's purpose in having created a world? So simplifying things, God created the world in order that he could have a relationship with us. Another way of expressing that is that God created the world in order to be in the world. He wants us to build a home for him in this world, essentially to become, as members of the Jewish people, to become his marketing team, to bring God into the world, to teach the world about him. So do you want in? Do you want to be on the team? What role do you want? You want to be VP? You want to be a manager? You want to be a janitor? Or you want to, God forbid, play for the other team? Do you want to be on the working for the competition? The way to avoid the CEO's scrutiny is by judging yourself, taking responsibility for what you did wrong, for your shortcomings, and then making steps to move forward and make sure they don't happen again. If you want any prayers to be answered in this new year, there's one simple thing you have to do. What's, what's a guaranteed way to convince the CEO to get you whatever material things you need? You want a new car? How do you convince the CEO to get you a new car? It's very simple. Convince him that it's good for the company. If you had a new car, you'd show up for work on time. You'd be more productive, better, be a better employee. 
convince him that it's good for the company. So on Rosh Hashanah, God asks us to partner with him in fixing ourselves and fixing the world and literally making the world more godlike. So as we mentioned, holidays don't just commemorate an historical event. They reconnect to that energy of that event. So another amazing thing that took place on that day, on the time when God was creating the world, was what was God doing during the six days of creation? He was actually hiding himself, hiding himself in the physical world. And on Rosh Hashanah, God hides himself again. He removes himself, so to speak, from the world and makes space for us to take charge of our own destiny, essentially giving us our own franchise and our own funds to be able to perpetuate his mission in the world. So what does this have to do with the shofar? So the ram's horn, the world was created. How did God create the world? With speech. God said, let there be. Essentially, all physical universe was created with speech except for one thing, and that is Adam. Adam was created with God's breath. God blew into him the soul. So whereas the world was created with speech, God gave to Adam the power of speech. He literally gave him his own breath. And with that power of speech, we have the ability to also create worlds just like God and to create ourselves. The shofar is a rejuvenation of that initial energy, that initial blowing of life force into the world, into Adam, and we are re rejuvenating ourselves, reconnecting to our godly divine spark, our ability to literally be a creator. And we use that then to devote our time and the day to praying for the entire world. The entire world will come together as one and finally unite in fulfilling our mission of revealing God in the world. So I want to give you all a blessing that this Rosh Hashanah is going to open you up to new potential of who you really are, to new insights into how you can use your unique gifts to make the world a better place and to reveal God in the world. Think a little bit about what you can do one step more to be a little bit closer to fulfilling your mission in this world and then pray for it. Write down your mission statement, your personal mission statement. Take a few minutes to get clarity on the Jewish mission statement of the world. And then take, make a list of a few things you can do to actualize that in this coming year. And additionally, try praying, not just for yourself, for the whole world. And if there's anything that you do need, Figure out how it's good for the company and then make a proposal to the CEO of the universe. You're guaranteed to get it in this next year. Wishing you all a beautiful new year.